athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. you guys on last week hope you had a wonderful wonderful easter but i'm back and raring to go here on the program so we got a lot right we got the nba playoffs which are hot and heavy boy never expected brooklyn to be down two to nothing to the boston celtics game three on saturday in brooklyn we'll see how things go i I, I think the Celtics have done a really good job on Kevin Durant. There's no question about that. I think that because of the job that the Celtics have done on Durant, Durant just hasn't been able to get going. I think coaching on the Brooklyn on both sides of this thing has really played into the Celtics having this two to nothing lead. But I also think that Kyrie Irving has to step up as well. We talk about Kevin Durant and being the best player. And if, if KD doesn't win another championship, what he's done is a couple of things of significance in his career in the NBA. He has won an NBA Finals MVP, make that two. He has won an NBA MVP for the regular season. He has won two championships. He has led the league in scoring. And he really led. I mean, he had some help from Jason Tatum. But in the Olympics, he really was the catalyst in terms of USA winning gold in this year's or this past summer's Olympics. He, I mean, he was the key to that. So he's done, I mean, he's done everything you can possibly do in a career. And of course, he won an Olympic gold medal back in 2012 as well. But I'm talking about putting an, essentially a team on his back this past summer Olympics. So he's done everything he can do. Yes, has he struggled? No question about that. But he needs some help. Like some of the guys around him have to help. In particular, Kyrie Irving. Both of these guys cannot only make four field goals in a game. It's not going to get, it's not going to work. I mean, I think KD's going to have some off games. But Kyrie's got to come to play as well. It doesn't help not having a Ben Simmons. And then some of the other pieces, you know, the Seth Curry's of the world, the Patty Mills's of the world, I definitely have to step their games up. I think Andre Drummond, for what you're asking him to do, has done a pretty good job in the paint around the basket, getting rebounds. Uh, But overall, I mean, Brooklyn just hasn't been that good defensively as a team 
as well. So we're going to talk a lot of NBA playoffs today on the program. Also today here on the program, so a couple of weeks ago, so I got to give a big shout out to Hampton University, all right? A couple of weeks ago, um, as if you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know that we literally, where we live, is literally eight miles away, literally eight miles away from Campbell University. Of course, Campbell University Division One plays in the Big South. So um, we had an opportunity. You know, I was looking through the schedule because my daughter plays softball. She plays uh, she plays softball for her school and plays some uh, some travel softball as well. So we were looking for a game to go to this past weekend. I mean, we have sort of our choice of places we could go. We could go, you know, to Campbell right up the road. We could go to Fayetteville State, which is not that far up the road. We could go to NC State, which is not that far up the road from where we live. Of course, we're here in Raleigh where you hear this program. I mean, we could go to North Carolina Central in Durham, which isn't terribly far as well. So we've got our sort of our choices of places to go. So we said, okay, we're going to go to Campbell. And it just so happened that Hampton was at Campbell this, or not this past weekend, but a couple of Sundays ago. So I'm like, oh man, you know, Monet Davis plays for Hampton. Now, for those that don't remember Monet Davis, you got to go back to the 2015 season during the Little League World Series. She was part of that Philadelphia team where she was she was the pitcher. And it was just a sensational story. And then she ultimately has gone to Hamptons, had a solid career in softball at Hampton. So I reach out to Hampton like, look, you know, just like Monet Davis, my daughter started out playing baseball because she did for, I guess, not 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 three whole seasons, but well, three seasons. Uh, really a year and a half, but three seasons because we played some winter ball or some some fall ball too. And I thought it'd be great. You know, she's playing softball now. I thought it'd be great. So big shots out to Hampton, hooked that up, reached out to the softball coach, um, Monique White, who hooked that up. Certainly we were waiting for them after the game. A lot of Hampton contingency in the crowd. Really good game. By the way, Campbell has a really nice stadium for a softball stadium. It's all, I'm not a big proponent of turf the whole field okay including the outfield is all turf there's one part in the pitcher circle that is dirt that's the only part that is that is not turf but it's a nice stadium seats about 3000 i think i think that same week they may have eastern even hosted north carolina or unc which generally unc doesn't come to smaller schools unc will will host smaller schools but such a nice stadium. But anyway, a good contingency. There's a good contingency. There's a good Hampton Alumni Association here in the Raleigh area. So we had a chance, went down. Um, she had, my, me and my daughter had a chance to go down and meet Monet Davis, who had a, a pretty good game. Hampton ended up winning that game 3-2. to two. It was a good softball game. Um, and so, uh, again, wanted to give big shots out to Hampton. Let me set the table for you today here. On the program, we've got a couple of guests that are going to join us today here on the program. Harold Varner III, pro golfer, PGA golfer, Harold Varner III. So he finished tied for third at the RBC last weekend. This weekend, he's going to be at the Zunich 
Zunit Classic in New Orleans, right? Harold Varner III going to join us today here on the program. And I got to say this. I mean, we've had on this program in the almost 17 years that the program has been on the air. We've had multiple guests from all sports, right? And when I say all sports, I mean all sports, even, you know, winter sports, right? Like we had, I think, um, snowboarding. I can't remember the young lady's name, Jamie. Oh, I can't remember Jamie's last name, but she was one of the premier snowboarders going back a couple of years ago. And as a matter of fact, I think she participated in the Olympic. Jamie Anderson, that's who it was. I had a chance to look it up. Jamie Anderson on the program. I mean, we've had professional boxers. Like, we had Sugar Shane Mosley, I think a couple of weeks before he fought Manny Pacquiao going back to 2011. We've had we've had track and field stars, obviously, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, all, right? And But we've never had a current golfer or a current PGA tour person. I, I don't know. It just seems like golfers don't do a lot, not a whole lot of one-on-ones, particularly, I guess, on the radio side. More of their stuff is in press conference settings, things of that nature, maybe some one-on-ones, TV-wise, you know, obligations to uh, to TV, whether if it's a big tournament uh, or whatever the case may be. So not a lot of, you know, you just don't see it, not, on, not only on this show, but just across the board as well. So we're super excited to have Harold Varner the third or HV3 on the program on today. Very excited to have him. And we're going to talk with him about the R the RBC. Uh, and also uh, we'll we'll talk with him about the RBC and some other topics as well. Looking forward to that conversation. Also joining us today here on the program for those that watch All American. It's a really, really good show. A couple of weeks ago, maybe about a month ago or so. We had well All-American Homecoming. We had Corey Hardrick as a guest on the program going back some couple of weeks ago. And as a matter of fact, that particular conversation can be found on our website. But we also have uh, another guest on the program today from All-American Homecoming. Jeffrey Maya. Jeffrey Maya is actually the main star in All-American Homecoming. And <clears throat> it's a phenomenal show. If you haven't seen it, it's it, it's uh, it's a a, um, a fictional HBCU, Brinkston University. It's located in Atlanta, very much looks, has the colors of Morehouse. And it just depicts life Um in an athletic, in a, well, in a, in an athletic, well, I, I wouldn't just say an athletic setting, but the main character, Jeffrey, Ma, well, Jeffrey Maya's character is like the main character. She's a tennis star. She had an opportunity to go to any number of schools, but chose to go to an HBCU and ultimately decided to go to fictional Brinkston. Now, a lot of subjects are covered here. NIL uh, is covered here. Uh, student athlete welfare, off the field stuff, girlfriend, boyfriend stuff, all kinds of stuff covered on this program. So Jeffrey Maya, Jeffrey Maya, star of All American Homecoming, going to also join us today here on the program. So glad 
you've joined us. We're super excited. Glad to be back. Glad to be back with you today on the program as we're going to step aside, take a break, come back. We're going to be joined by Harold Varner III, PGA golfer Harold Varner III on the program. I'm on my own against the wall. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> Hello, this is Janelle Monet. This is Omari Hardwick. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. It's the girl Rock Kimberly the mic, y'all. This is Simone Biles. You know what it is. This is the one and only Devo Double G. Hey y'all, it is the EST of WWE. The strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on Box to Row with the Radio Boss. Tune in if you want to catch the best BEST interview ever. Hey, Bugsy, you hear the news about Vinny? Yeah, it's a real shame he owed money to the IRS and they finally cut up with him. Just like Al Capone. If the IRS can get to Capone, imagine what they can do to little old Vinny, huh? Poor cat, he was on top of the world, then bada-boom, bada-bing. What Vinny needs now is an offer he can't refuse. Hey, you got a tax problem? Does the IRS claim you owe them a bunch of dough? They can get you too. So call the tax relief line now and learn if you qualify to negotiate your $10,000 plus IRS tax debt for up to a 75% savings. Don't be like Al or Vinny and get busted. Make this free call now. Learn how you may be able to pay the IRS less. Call now. 888-789-5043. 888 789 you see, that's the way we roll. So come place an order at Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time. Time to do something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-726-0144. 800-726-0144. That's 800-726-0144. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whip Beer. 
the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's. And in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Box to Row. Box to Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a young man who has been a pro, as a matter of fact, pro golfer for 10 years. He tied for third place at the RBC this past weekend during the course of his career. He's had two wins on the PGA Tour. He is Harold Barner III. He joins us here on Box to Row. HV3, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. How are you guys? Doing awesome, man. Just your thoughts on the RBC where you had a, a th- or tied for a third-place finish last weekend. Uh, it, obviously, it's great. I played really well, but, uh, you know, just bummed just to come up short. You know, um, you just want to you wanna win, and when you don't win and you're that close, it, it stings a little bit. But, you know, I got a lot better, and we just got to keep rocking and rolling. I think good things are coming yeah, could you? You know, I was read. I didn't see it, but I was reading. What, what was the whole thing with the fan moving the ball on one of your shots? Uh, I had just gotten past it, thinking about it. But um, it, it, long story short, uh, I think he moved my ball, and when we went to go look at it, it was out of bounds. You know, I just didn't. I didn't like that. You know, it was based off what the guy said. You know, the rules official didn't basically didn't ask me what I thought, especially since I saw him. Pick it up and where he moved it to. So it was, uh, it was a bummer. It is what it is. Nothing we can do about it now. Um, just sucks in that situation. I guess someone has to make the decision. The rules official, but you know, you think the rulings, the rules are there to um, to protect the player. And um, yeah, I just don't quite agree with it. Yeah, for you, and we'll talk more about your days at ECU. Of course, we're here in the state, the great state of North Carolina. Does it seem, seem like you've been a pro for 10 years now? This is your 10th or 11th year, but 10 years as a pro. Um, some days. <laughs> some days it does. Uh, some days it doesn't. I feel like I'm a rookie some days, and, you know, I'm learning and growing, and some days I'm like, man, I just want to sit down and not do anything. But uh, it's a part of it, and uh, I still enjoy playing golf, man. It's so much fun. My favorite thing to do, even in my pastime. Um, so it's just, uh, yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Harold Varner the third joins us here on Box to Rose. Matter of fact, he's going to participate in the Zunich Classic of New Orleans this weekend. So tied for third place last week, HV3. And then, of course, you won the PIF Saudi International uh, by Eagle on the final hole. What a dramatic way to win. Speak to winning that PIF Saudi International. It was awesome. It's an incredible place. I know people dog it, but I had a great experience over there. Um, obviously winning, but you know the hospitality was second to none. And obviously in North Carolina growing up, we'd take pride in those things. So that's really how I judge places, and it was a really cool place to go and see. I like, I like traveling the world just to say I've been there, what I liked and what I didn't like. So, yeah, it was awesome. And then to win and then moved my world ranking up so I could get into, you know, help me get into the Masters. Uh, 
and then gave me a lot of confidence. Yeah, and then the interesting thing, I and mean, of course, as you mentioned, I mean, you said that on the onset. You got to win these things. You know, you, you, tied for third is, is solid, but you want to win. But at the end of the day, also with the Masters, this was your highest finish ever a couple of weeks ago. Speak uh, speak to that. Uh, super cool place. Um, you know you know how it's such a big deal in North Carolina. Like, yeah, it's a big deal in the world. and People, you know, dream of going there. But in North Carolina, you know, it's like it's our little baby you know i know it's just being so close so many people have been there seen it um that i know growing up so it was just cool just to experience it myself get my own experiences it was the part three was probably a super highlight having the kid out there and you know my wife she she thought it was three holes um so yeah it was super cool <laughs> really <laughs> is that right yeah it was pretty funny yeah she has no clue about that which is nice yeah, no, that that that's kind of, that is kind of funny, actually. Uh, Harold Varner the third joins us here on the program, and then you know Tiger makes sort of this uh, dramatic uh, a comeback, uh, if you will. What was it like, you know, being sort of a a part of that? Yeah, I didn't really think much of it, to be honest with you. I didn't really care. I wanted to beat him. Um, he turned out to be a decent friend. Uh, yeah, I just didn't. It wasn't. I mean, you guys talked about it a lot, but I didn't. I didn't care at all. I just wanted to find a way to, uh, you know, not be him, but everyone in the field. So sure. I didn't really pay much attention to it. I really like that place a lot. It's such a my game really well. Uh, just Saturday got me a little bit and uh, learned from it. I think that's my best finish in a major. So I'm just growing. I'm doing a few things that I've never done before, and I'm getting a little bit better. Your your thoughts on this, Tiger Woods, Timothy O'Neill, who is a Jackson State. Uh, grad and then yourself, uh, three black players, the most black players that have ever played at the Masters. You look at Lee Elder, first black player ever playing at the Masters was 1975. I mean, that's only, you know, what, 47 years ago. Your thoughts on you three being a part of the Masters, again, the most black players that have ever played at the Masters at one time? Um, yeah, once again, I didn't think much of it. Uh, being black never really was a thing until I got on tour. It was uh, I was never asked or talked about like, oh, he's a black golfer um, until I got on tour. Uh, so, yeah, I get the I get the idea that there's not been many to play there. But you know, it wasn't that long ago that we couldn't play on the PJ Tour yet alone some golf courses. So, um, I guess a lot of a lot of the things have changed. It's gotten better. So there's going to be way more opportunity. To, you know, I'm going to make a point to help kids get. You know, in the golf, you know, it's just yeah. At the time, it's not long ago. It was hard to get kids in the golf. It still is a little bit um, money wise. But back then, you know, 60 years ago, you know, black kids couldn't even play golf. You know, so it's uh, it's a different time. Um, I think there's going to be more opportunity, and we're going to be better for it. Yeah, and that's part of. I guess that's in part with the HV3 Foundation is about. Correct. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, we just want to help kids get access. I mean, it just costs too costs too much money. It just costs too much to play golf. It's insane. Um, I don't know why, to be honest. So I can't really answer it, but I'm gonna make I'm gonna make my uh, I'm gonna make my impact on it. It's important because you know, obviously, golf changed my life because everyone sees it on the PJ Tour. But I've met unbelievable people that have, you know, just directed my life in a direction where I can go be as successful as I want to be. You know, no one's holding me back. A couple of more thoughts with Harold Varner the third who joins us here on the program. What do you remember? Like, I, I, 
you know, you, you grew up, I believe, in Gastonia, uh, right? And you, you um, uh, an ECU guy, conference player of the year, uh, your last year there at ECU. What do you remember most about those days at East Carolina? How much fun they were. Uh, I had a blast. It was, uh, you know, I, I had fun, but I also had an unbelievable coach that just basically would rip into me or do what he needed to do to love on me all the time, you know. So I don't think I went home for two summers, my last two summers. So, you know, I was there, living there full time for uh, two years of my life. It was my first time living away from home. And just instead of going to go see mom and dad, I just call and say, hey, you know, it's just I grew up a lot. Uh, I will never be able to repay that school for what it, you know, did for me. But I try to in ways all the time, you know, if I can help in any kind of way. So I just still, you know, I'm connected to the school, but I'd like to be a little bit more connected to the school. My wife is from Washington, so get back here and there, and, you know, we're going to be awesome in football here soon. Yeah, little Washington. I, okay. And your newborn, man, How I mean, be, being, a, being a dad, right? Speak to that. Yeah, it is, it is awesome. I wish I was with him right now. He traveled with us the last two weeks. Um, but freaking a! I wish he was. Uh, I wish he was here right now. Last thought: the course. Speak to the, about the course uh, in New Orleans, and, and and that of course that course for this upcoming weekend, which you're uh, participating in. It's super pure. I need to go practice, so looking forward to that more than anything. Um, it's good. I played here every year. I haven't made the cut as a team, so I'm looking forward to that challenge. Just knocking that little monkey off the back, like actually do something positive so it's uh yeah it's uh pretty odd i played well here as an individual um it's it sets up really well for me you, you just have a partner and you have to figure it out and i think i'm a little bit better at those things now than i was you know in the past year so i'm always you know every time i teed up in these turns i'm like man i'm just a better golfer so let's just see how we do 10 years as a pro two wins on the pga tour his highest finish was this year in the masters of course, he tied for third at the RBC. Harold Varner III joins us here on Box to Row. HV3, appreciate the time. Continued success in all you do. Hey, thanks for having me. Harold Varner III joining us on the program. Really making a name for himself and trying to make a bigger name for himself. You heard him say he wasn't worried about the fact that Tiger Woods was playing in the Masters. He was going out to beat not only Tiger Woods, but the field as well. So you heard him say that, and I mean that's the attitude that you have to have. And uh, you know he he's he's been doing this, like I said, for ten years. And you know again, a twenty third place finish in the Masters, but it's the highest he's ever finished in the Masters. Won his second PGA Tour this year, so maybe this is the year where Harold HV three kind of. Uh, you know, kind of continues to make that climb. And I got to emphasize once again, as I talked about early on in the program, very, very difficult to get golfers to come uh, not only on this program, but I'm sure you'll hear a lot of people say, hey, especially ones that make it a name for themselves or have a big name and to be able to get HV3 on the program uh, is uh, is a pretty big deal. So uh, glad he could take some time out of his big, busy schedule. Of course, he's in New Orleans to join us on the show. We've got actress Jeffrey Maya up next.
You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story, and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to uh, WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I would say representation is it's not a request. It's a requirement, and I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for Black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all. And and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. You can get to it. <laughs> Man, you know what it's good? And, and, and uh, you're encouraging people to be better and do better. And, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to Winston-Salem State University, a uh, black college. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again. And just having a up-close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Melogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Winston-Salem State, I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were re- we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. He called all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So. I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Snoop, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have 
grown at Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player. But for me, it was playing for Coach K. He gave me the keys to, to the car, and I was driving it in the first eight games. And you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey, man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Let's continue here on the program You've seen my next guests in programs such as Private Practice and Snowfall. She stars as Simone Hicks in All-American Homecoming, airs each Monday, 9 p.m. 8 Central on CW. She's also a Clark Atlanta alum. She is Jeffrey Maya, joins us here on Box to Row. Jeffrey, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Thank you. The pleasure is ours. I, I, I want to start here. Y- you know, I, I was looking on your Twitter page and I had to laugh uh, a little bit because you said the DMV is hell's lobby, which is so funny because that is so that is so true. Like, what was your experience the last time at the DMV? Oh, my gosh. It's just like I don't understand every single time I go to the DMV, which is not that many times. And you just hope that, please, let this be the day that, I don't know, people got a little bit more sleep, or maybe it's not that many people that had to make an appointment that day. It was just a lot going on. It was too much happening at one time, and yet it felt like nothing was happening at the same time because it took too long. But granted, I got out of there in six hours, so I guess that's better than many can say. <laughs> in six hours? Well, what did like? What did you have to, first of all, what DMV were you at? or what city and what, or state, and what did you have to get accomplished that took six hours? Literally, I mean, I'm, you know, in L.A., so I went to the nearest DMV that I could find that I thought would be the fastest, and it turns out that they're all pretty much the same. So, and literally, I was just getting some documents for my car. That was it, just registering some things, and it just took forever. But like I said, I feel like six hours is a good record because I know people who have been there for longer, and it's literally a day trip. Like my mother always says, if you're going to go to the DMV, then you need to pack some water and you need to pack some snacks and maybe like your favorite book or at least a charger because it's going to take all day. (laughs) That is so funny. I'm trying to get my uncle straight on some things in D.C., and I'm telling you, it it is – Right and or, now, did you watch Martin coming up? Did you watch Martin? He had an episode at the DMV one time. You know what? I did grow up watching Martin. It's, I feel like whenever I hear Martin, it's such a favorite pastime of mine in college because that's like the TV show that everybody turns on as they start to wind down from the day. You know what I mean? Like I don't know. Maybe it was a Clark Atlanta thing, but I promise you, a huge percentage of my school used to watch that show before, like going to bed or just like having background noise at like a party, like a little kickback. Like, you know what I mean? So it's funny that you say Martin because that's such a favorite pastime of mine in school. 
Yeah, no doubt the uh, episode he had at the DMV with Sherman Hemsley was absolutely hilarious. We're joined by Jeffrey Maya, play Simone Hicks on All American Homecoming Monday, 9 p.m. 8 Central on the CW. So we, my daughter and I watch, first of all, we started watching All American and then, of course, saw the spinoff of All American Homecoming, which is absolutely um, absolutely phenomenal. A lot of lot of fun with that. How much input do you have on the show as an HBCU alum of Clark Atlanta? Mm-hmm. So the beautiful thing about my situation is that I've been blessed and fortunate enough to work with an amazing showrunner who naturally has such a collaborative spirit. And I think that the truth of the situation is that when you're working and celebrating and specifically like dedicating a story to a place based on something that actually exists, there's just a certain level of authenticity that must be shown. So prior to shooting the pilot, prior to this even being like an actual situation, like an actual like blessing for uh, just the universe, you know, my showrunner and Ketchi Okoro Carroll and I, we spoke about my experiences. We spoke about the good. We spoke about the bad. We spoke about the transformational. And I think that even though Brinkson University is a fictional university, we do our best to take bits and pieces of, you know, not just my personal experience, but, you know, people that are close to her. Like we have other cast members, other crew members who went to HBCUs, who, whose family went to HBCUs, whose friends and I think the beautiful thing about this story is that no matter what, we're shedding light on a place, a university that exists, a legacy, a culture that exists. And, of course, there's so many different stories that we can tell because not every HBCU experience is the same. But it's a simple fact that this story, this place, that exists, is getting the moment in time that it is every single Monday because it just continues to perpetuate conversations and it continues to celebrate what actually is, which is black excellence which is legacy, which is culture, and which is, you know, something that I'm so grateful to be a part of because it really did happen to me. It really was part of my experience. So I couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity, um, and especially the collaboration. So it's a blessing for sure. Interestingly enough, like I think Clark Atlanta's colors, if I'm not mistaken, are red and black. But, like, this, uh, uh, the, the university, Brinkston, it has that maroon like Morehouse, No. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Which I think is such a beautiful color. You know what I mean? I think I think that everything is so intentionally done for homecoming, especially. Um, and and there's a certain level of familiarity that you see when you see certain aspects. And that's what I meant when I said, you know, even if it's just little bits and pieces that allow people to be like, wow, that looks familiar, or wow, that reminds me of this, that reminds me of that. I think that if any HBCU alum, you know, like you and I, can sit here and celebrate this show and be like, wow. I'm really glad that they're doing this or something that's inside of you that's like triggered in the best way. It's like, wow, you know, they're, they're really doing this for the culture. They're really doing this for the community. And I think that we're doing our job, but yeah, I think it was intentionally done that, you know, our colors are very synonymous to, you know, different schools or, you know, different organizations or, you know, just something to celebrate it, you know, just to give, just to give back and pay that homage. No doubt about it. Jeffrey Maya joins us here on the program. I mean, the the show, of course, All-American Homecoming, All-American for that matter, I mean, deals with a lot of issues. But in this respect, All-American Homecoming deals with a lot of issues surrounding HBCUs, surrounding life, surrounding black culture, 
et cetera. How much did you know as a as a fictional tennis, a collegiate athlete, uh, more specifically, about NIL? No, um, I think that the beautiful thing about like just Simone's character and just Simone's experience with this rebirth of her as an athlete. I think the biggest part that we play in this show is the simple fact that she's on a, a journey within herself, like trying to find her way back to not just the benefits of tennis, you know what I mean? Because I feel like being a collegiate athlete, you know, there are certain things that I still don't know about that world and about what it is that these kids do and what it, be, what it is that these kids have to accomplish. And, you know, especially in regards to financially, like, you know what I mean? Jeffrey Maya plays the role of Simone Hicks, All-American Homecoming, Monday, 9 p.m., 8 Central on CW, joins us here on the program. How much tennis training did you have? Like, some of those shots look pretty good, Jeffrey. <laughs> Thank you so much. So when I first found out that, you know, my showrunner even had an inkling that this is something that she wanted to do, I wanted to make sure that no matter what happened, um, if the show were to get picked up, I wanted to be ready, I wanted to be prepared, and I wanted to really celebrate the tennis stars before me who really dedicated their time, their body, their mind, their diets. Like, you know, it's an actual sport. Like, nothing that people don't know that, but it's an actual sport that requires so much dedication so much discipline and so much respect and me having never picked up a racket, having never stepped foot on a court to even play, you know, I wanted to really immerse myself in that. And I think it's, it's respectful to the women before me, to the athletes, you know, who again, dedicate their time to the sport that they love. So I didn't just want to be that actor that just popped in and off of set, like, you know, and had a double come in, you know, I really wanted to get myself into the game and I did. And it's not easy, <laughs> But I'm really grateful because no matter what, tennis is a sport that I can play for the rest of my life. And it's such a full-body sport, full-body and mind sport. And I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to work with amazing coaches um, who are of color, which is also amazing. And it was such a beautiful experience for me um, to be able to play with other athletes, other black women, you know, to celebrate, you know, their hard work on the court. So, yeah, it was it was definitely a journey with that, but we here, we made it, and I'm still playing. You know, I'm on hiatus right now, so I still plan to play, you know, just in case we get a season two pickup. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely an amazing sport for sure, but it's a lot of hard work. No doubt about it. Last thought, your memories, which I guess aren't that uh, far off or that long ago. I always ask people this, HBC, but your days at, at uh, Clark Atlanta and what, what, what you enjoyed most. What I enjoyed most, honestly, was just being around my people. Like, you know, I grew up in South Central L.A., born and raised here. And, you know, L.A. is such a melting pot of a city, you know. Um, and my mother was the type of mother that allowed me to experience more than just my community. You know what I mean? More than just my block. Like, she always sent me to amazing schools. She always sent me to amazing, dope, like, extracurricular activities so I can be able to experience the world and be cultured and my mind broadened and expanded. But being in Atlanta, you know, it is such a community, and it just allowed me to just immerse myself fully in my culture. And, you know, I've made so many lifelong friends. And, of course, throughout my matriculation there, of course, the education and, of course, you know, the legacy and, you know, the HBCU experience as a whole. But it hits different when – 
you're able to sit next to people that look like you, be educated by people that look like you, be advised or led by people that look like you. You know, it's, it's a different situation. So I'm just grateful to have had that, to where I was able to further my education and actually really solidify and make a staple for myself as a young adult in a space that was created for people that look like me, by people that look like me. It's very special. I always celebrate it, and, I, and I'm so grateful to be a part of a show that encourages that mentality and that encourages that type of, like, idea and identity within education and within cultural celebration. So, yeah, I, I love my experience, and, I, and I'll never, I would never change it for the world. No doubt about it. All-American Homecoming, Monday, 9 p.m., 8 Central on CW. Jeffrey Maya plays Simone Hicks. She joins us here on the program. Jeffrey, great to catch up with you. Continued success in all you do. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Stay safe. Jeffrey Maya joining us here on the program. And as you can see, an alum of Clark Atlanta. So she's able to really understand the culture with respect to the show All-American Homecoming and the fictional HBCU Brinkston University. And so it's a really, I, I just encourage you guys to watch it if you haven't seen it. It's a, it's a really solid program. Gets into the heart of not HBCUs, culture, uh, life in general for a college student, specifically at an HBCU. Really invite you all to check out the program Mondays. 9 p.m., that's 8 Central on CW. NFL draft hopeful Marquise Bell of Florida A&M is up next. Hello, my name is Precious Rose Dunlap, and this is my mother, Michelle Timlake Roll, founder of Marjorie's Beef Jerky Incorporated. We would at this time like to thank our new customers as well as our repeating customers for your business. For every one million orders that we receive, our company is giving $2 million away to the bottom amongst 400 of our paid customers. You see... That's the way we roll. So come place an order at marjoriesbeefjerky.com. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitby, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina, served in total wine all over North Carolina, Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Let's continue here on Box to Row. We're joined by a young man, as a matter of fact, hoping to hear his name called in next week's National Football League draft. Played two years at Florida A&M. Was an HBCU All-American was a participant in the NFL Scouting Combine as well as the East Shrine game. He is Marquise Bell, safety, Florida A&M, joins us here on Box to Row. Marquise, welcome to the program. 
Thanks for having me. Absolutely. What what has this been like for you these last uh, end of the season was what uh, the latter part of November. Uh, so you're talking about what the last five months or so. What have these last five months been like for you as you prepare for the NFL? Uh, it's been amazing. I'm, I've been taking it all in. Uh, enjoy going down for a lot of the training with uh, some of the best in the uh, in the country. Uh, they got me prepared to go perform at the combine. And right now I'm just uh, training on my own. Uh, just, you know, making sure, like, when I do get that opportunity, I'm prepared for it. Yeah, and you've already, what, visited with a couple of teams to this point, correct? Yes, I've visited with two teams. I visited with the Cowboys, and uh, I just came back from Minnesota uh, three days ago. Okay, and what were those visits like? Uh, they were pretty good. They were just general uh, top 30 visits, uh, meeting with the whole team, all the uh, staff and everything, looking around the facilities. You know, getting a good feel for everybody, letting everybody get a good feel for me. Yeah, what? Now, take us through the NFL scouting combine where you put up some really good numbers. What top ten amongst safeties in terms of the the broad jump, and I believe also uh, the forty. Uh, take us through what that experience was like at the NFL scouting combine. Oh, uh, it was a great experience just to go out there and compete. Uh, you know, show the world that you know. I'm just as good as anybody else in the drive just because I went to a smaller school. That doesn't mean you can discredit my talent and my work ethic and everything that I put on film. So the fact that I go out there and perform like I did, uh, it, it was great. Uh, called my grandmother right before I ran, uh, you know, just to talk to her for a little bit. And I felt like that gave me that, that extra confidence that I needed going into it. Yeah. And then you were part of the East Shrine, correct? Uh, I was invited to the East-West Shrine game, but I went to the NFL PA Bowl in uh, Pasadena. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so out there with Aquil Glass, uh, correct? Who, who? Yes, sir. Was on this on this? We had him on a couple of weeks ago and talked with him about that. What was the NFL PA um, Bowl like? Uh, that was it was a great experience just to go out there and compete with those guys, uh, learning from you know a lot of. Former NFL players, uh, Charles Woodson was my uh, DB coach. So, you know, getting to talk to him, getting his insight on the game and everything like that was, you know, it was great. Yeah, what kind of tips? You're right, Hall of Famer. What kind of tips did he give you? Uh, Just, you know, just be a sponge. Day one, you want to learn as much as you can. Get with somebody older that can teach you the game. Stick with somebody that's, you know, that's been playing for a long time. Know what they're doing. Learn their routines. You know, that'll help you grow as a player. Fortunately, it'll help you stay in the league for a long time. Marquise Bell, now formerly of Florida A&M, looking to hear his name called in next week's NFL draft, joins us here on Box to Row. Of course, there were no players taken from HBCUs in the NFL draft on last year. Go back a couple of years ago, only one player uh, taken, and it was once upon a time that a lot of uh, players from HBCUs were taken. Is that some? Is that conversation you have amongst someone like uh, an Aquil Glass? I mean, you guys have a high probability, as a matter of fact, uh, of getting drafted. Is that some kind of a conversation that you and like uh, HBCU guys have? Uh, unfortunately, you know, we don't we don't communicate with each other as much as we 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 should. But I'm I'm rooting for all those guys. I feel like uh, a lot of us should have our names called uh, within those three days. Um, 
it's a lot of talent coming out of HBCUs and just we get overlooked because we're in the shadows of all the big power five schools, the big FCS schools, and the big names. But, you know, when you actually look at it, look at the numbers, look at the tape, you know, we, we're, we're just as good as anybody else. Yeah, I mean, and, and you would know, right? You, you began your career at Maryland. We'll talk more about that. But let me ask this. I mean, you, you know, had a really good 2019 season, COVID hit. Uh, no 2020 season or even in the spring of 21 because FAMU was still in the MIAC. MIAC opted not to play spring ball in 21. Why did you – You had, I'm sure you could have gone and played somewhere else. The transfer portal is what it is. What made you decide to come back to FAMU and play in 2021? Um, I just felt like there was no reason for me to leave. Um, I had everything that I needed at FAM. Uh, they were building a great program. You know, they were putting in the effort uh, to, you know, to get this program to where where it could be. And I wanted to be a part of that. Uh, you know, I wanted to be a part of a diff- making a difference. So, like, me going to another Power 5 school, I'd just be another, another guy. But here, like, you know, I could actually make a change or help make a change. Me and some of the other guys that are entering the draft, you know, we could, we could bring that spotlight to FAM for the for the next generation and generations to come to let you know, like, you know, it's, it's a lot of great athletes to come out of here. So I just felt like anything that I was going to accomplish at a bigger school, I could accomplish that fan. So I leave. Yeah. And the defense was really, really good. Obviously you had a, a great season. Isaiah land was the HBCU defensive player of the year, had a really good season. Speak to that defense and the season that that unit as a whole had. Oh yeah, we 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 played phenomenal. We had a lot of a uh, couple new guys come in, but you know we 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 bonded like brothers, and you know we went out there, we played for each other, um, we got after it every day in practice. You know, pushing each other, competing with each other, and I felt like that just made us better as a as a whole, offense and defense. NFL prospect Marquise Bell, safety, Florida A and M joins us here on the program take us through the season your thoughts on the season a tough loss I mean that I mean you know it's just a tough loss seven and six to Jackson State to open the season and while you guys played well throughout the course of the season you never got that opportunity which you know it it kind of speaks a little bit to um, you know playing division opponents conference opponents early in the season but you ultimately had a good season and even had an at-large playoff berth, which hadn't happened in the SWAC uh, in over to in, in about 25 years or so. Speak to the season. Uh, I felt like you know it was a tough loss beginning of the season, but we bounced back. Uh, we played we played pretty good throughout the season, like you said, first playoff bid in over 20 years. So the fact that you know this team was a part of that, the uh, no, it didn't end like we wanted it to, but just just getting there, that putting our, getting our foot in the door. So now I feel like next year, you know, they're going to have that chip on their sort of like, you know, we got a taste of it, but not like we, we want the whole thing. So I'm, I'm rooting for those guys. Uh, and just the fact that my biggest accomplishment, I feel like just this year was beating Bethune. Like that was my, that was my highlight of the year, just being Bethune. And the way that we did it, the way we went out that game, it was it was it was amazing. It was fun. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you heard all about that. I mean, you were part of that 2019 team uh, that lost that game. I mean, what I think seven or eight straight wins for Bethune Cookman. I know. I mean, I know for you guys as Rattlers, I 
I mean, that that had to be the ultimate once you came out of that game with the victory. Yeah, it was – when I tell you, we got shirts made and everything. <laughs> I, got a shirt, I got a shirt with the final score on the back of it. Like that, that game was my grandma got to come to that game. Uh, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was, a, I, I always remember that game and play, I only played, I only got to play in two times. So, you know, I'm one and one. Yeah. No, I can leave with a, with a, with a victory against Bethune. Yeah, no doubt about it. Marquise Bell, a couple more thoughts with him as he joins us on the program. What are some of the things that you feel like you can work on in terms of being on that next level? Honestly, just you know, just learning the, learning the game more, just being more of a student in the game. You know, you get to that level, everybody feel everybody was the best player on their team, everybody was that guy. So like now, you gotta you gotta do extra. You gotta be you gotta separate from everybody that's already separated. If you get what I'm saying. So like now, I'm just focusing on you know being the best me, being that professional, uh, learning how to be a professional. Really taking care of your body, taking care of your mind, uh, nutrition, all of it. Just, you know, just getting into that world of, you know, football is my life now. There's no more classes. There's no more school. It's just football. And for you, obviously, FAMU has a lot of talent. Willie Simmons, the head coach, has done a really good job there. But, I mean, on your pro day, 30 NFL scouts to CFL scouts so they definitely came out mostly to see you but it also opened up some opportunity for some other guys uh to be looked at uh from the Rattlers talk about that and what that means to you oh that was that was that was what I was most like you know most happy about just the fact that I went to the combine so I know a lot of people already seen me but the fact that I could bring all of those scouts to fam to see my my teammates that you know worked just as hard as I did throughout the season that just didn't get the recognition that they deserved that they still got the opportunity to go out there pursue their dreams you know perform for however many scouts that were out there and just give them a chance to you know provide for their families even if it's not being drafted being undrafted just getting a chance to get their foot in the door I felt like that was a great accomplishment Lastly, Marquise, and we appreciate the time. Marquise Bell, gracious enough to join us. How did you ultimately end up at Florida A&M? Uh, so one of my old teammates that I played with at Maryland, he was here. So coming out of JUCO, you know, uh, me and him had a conversation. I'm like, you know, it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad, you know, playing back there with you. So you know, we chopped it up a little bit, and you know, he 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 persuaded me to come, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. No question about it. The scouts are all over you. Marquise Bell looking to hear his name called in next week's National Football League draft. Joins us here on Box to Row. Marquise, appreciate the time. We look forward to talking with you in the future. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you, Marquise. My time is about up. I thank you for yours. Thank you to Marquise Bell. Thank you to Jeffrey Maya. Thank you to Harold Varner for joining us today here on Box to Row, remember, the HBCU NFL Draft Chronicles can be found on our website, BoxToRow.com. Dakobe Durant has been part of our NFL Draft, uh, HBCU NFL Draft Chronicles. Joshua Williams, Dakobe Durant, and uh, you can check that out on our website, BoxToRow.com. If you've missed any of our shows 
You can also check us out on our website, PoxToRow.com. And always remember to support those that support. Yo, Pox to Row is produced by DW Communications. 